Matthew 11, I want to consider some of the things that Jesus was doing. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Why would John have doubts at this time? Well, John was taken off the scene and thrown in prison, and he wondered and wanted to make sure that this was truly the one that he was preaching about and wanted to calm his some of his doubts. So he sent his disciples over to find Jesus, to talk to him. And they did. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed in the deep here. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Adam Clark had some very good comments on the fifth and sixth verse. I thought maybe we would share them a little bit. The blind receive their sight. They look upwards, contemplating the heavens which their Lord has made. The lame walk. They walk about to give the fullest proof to the multitude that their cure was real. These miracles were not only the most convincing proofs of the supreme power of Christ, but were also emblematic of that work of salvation which affects, he affects in the souls of men. Sinners are blind. Their understanding is so darkened by sin that they see not the way of truth and salvation. Two, they are lame, not able to walk in the path of righteousness. Three, they are leprous. Their souls are defiled with sin, the most loathsome and invertebrate disease, deepening in themselves and affecting others. Four, they are deaf to the voice of God, who is the life of the soul, being separated from it by iniquity. Nothing less than the power of Christ can redeem from all this, and from all this that power of Christ actually does redeem every penitent believing soul. Giving sight to the blind and raising the dead are allowed by the ancient rabbins to be works which the Messiah should perform when he should manifest himself in Israel. See, those people knew that. Those teachers in Judaism knew that when the Messiah come, he would raise the dead and open the eyes of the blind. And that's exactly what he did, right in their face, and they still denied it. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And what was this gospel? Why, the glad tidings that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That he opens the eyes of the blind, enables the lame to walk with an even, steady, and constant pace in the way of holiness. 
cleanses the lepers from all defilement of their sins, opens the ears of the deaf to hear his pardoning words, and raises those that were dead in trespasses and sins to live in union with him, self through all eternity. Blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended, or happy is he who will not be stumbled at me. For it signifies to hit against or stumble over things, a thing which one may meet in the way. The Jews, as was before remarked, expected a temporal deliverer. Many might be tempted to reject Christ because of his mean appearance, and so lose the benefit of salvation through him. To instruct and caution such, our blessed Lord spoke these words, but by his poverty and meanness, he condemns the pride and pomp of this world. He who will not humble himself and become base and poor and vile in his own eyes cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is the poor in general who hear the gospel. The rich and the great are either too busy or too much gratified with temporal things to pay any attention to the voice of God. I thought that was good. I thought it would include that in our study. Because there is an emblematic viewpoint about the literal things that took place. They could not dispute what people had been doing and what had been done to these people. Jesus came to a world of sick and dying people, an oppressed people. They did not have all the benefits that we have in this society, in this world that we live in now. They were a very trodden down people. If they were sick, that was their misfortune. If uh, they were blind, they would have to beg along the road. They had no institutions for these people. They had no welfare system. If you didn't get out on your own and beg, you just left by the wayside, like many are today. And he told his John's disciples to go and tell him what they had seen. The power of Christ to do these things has not diminished in the least today. And as Clark said in another commentary, if you find the peace that comes in Christ, it is only because few are seeking after him to find it. There are only few, few people searching after God diligently and searching after Christ to find that peace that he alone can offer in the soul. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before me. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he in the spiritual kingdom. The, all the prophets told about the day. John told about the time when Christ was there. 
And it said he was a great prophet. He was like Elijah of the Old Testament. He had come to pave the way and make the path straight for the coming of Jesus to the Jewish nation. But he was taken off the scene and he said, A greater than I has come. And that, of course, is Jesus. And Jesus commended him on his position in the that he was the joint between the old and the new. And he gave him a great compliment. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. They, people who hear the gospel, who determine in their hearts that this is the way, and it is true, and they begin to seek for the Lord earnestly beginning to seek and saying, I'm going to find God. I'm going to pay the price that the, the Bible requires. I'm going to seek after God with all my heart until I find Him. That's the kind of people that he's talking about. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. People who are casual about the gospel and about the Bible, and about Christ, and about God, and the way of salvation, we'll never find it in a million years being casual about it. If they come to meeting just now and then, once they have heard the gospel, they come and they go when they please, and think no, not too much of it, they're never going to find salvation. It is only those who earnestly endeavor to press forward, to find salvation. This, as someone said, is a pressing way. We do not get into the kingdom with half-hearted efforts. We do not stay in the kingdom with half-hearted efforts. This is a difficult way uh, for some. But once we get in, we'll find that as we sing the songs tonight, there's a river of pleasure and there's waves of devotion and, and songs of joy and all of those blessings that have been promised. You know, we can get in our car tomorrow morning and head off for Toronto, Canada, 10 hours uh, away from here, and we don't have to have a worry in the world. We don't have to worry about highwaymen or women. <laughs> we don't have to worry about things going wrong and we'll be stranded out in a fearful highway or in the dark or any of those things, because the dark is light to God, just like the light is. And we go with God every day, so whether we go out there, on the highway, we go with God. We don't worry about smashing into anybody, or anybody smashing into us, or, or worry about anything along the way. We're just going to go and enjoy ourselves and be a blessing wherever we you see, we can do that in Christ. We don't have to worry about anything. As Shepherd said one day, one day, you don't have to worry. You don't have to hurry. <laughs> well, he was talking about something else. But that's the way it is when we come to Christ. We don't have to worry anymore. 75% of the things that people worry about never come to pass anyway. And if they would only realize that, they would stop worrying. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. The promise was the prophet would come 
like Elijah before Jesus would come. And that's what happened. John was right there. He was the one. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know, we're living in a generation that wants to hear everything but the gospel. There's a lot of people that don't want to talk about church. They don't want to talk about the gospel. They don't want to talk about anything that involves them making a choice to do right or to continue in wrong. So Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, you should hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. What is he saying here? We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have preached the gospel, but there's been no response. Or the response is a quiet no. Or the response is, they don't come back anymore. Or there's no response at all. They come and come and come and sit and go and come and sit and go. No response to the gospel. That to me is an amazing thing. People can go to a rock concert and these guys get up there, these wild people get up there uh, and they don't know their head from their foot uh, probably by the time they get up there to, to play and to sing they're bombed out of their minds with all kinds of stuff they take and they scream and they holler and they carry on and pretty soon the, uh, the beat keeps going and on and on and then it gets into everybody's blood and they're running, they're jumping up and down and they're carrying on, you know. Do you think that people in a rock concert are going to sit there passively unless they've taken some downers? <laughs> whatever they call that stuff that just leaves them laid back or whatever they say. They're jumping around and hooping it up and just carrying on. And as the music goes on and on and, and uh, depending on what they're singing or not just that loud noise and the whole atmosphere of the thing everybody is responding to it and they go away saying oh we had a wonderful time weren't they great musicians and all that sort of stuff and, and it's just sickening and he says this generation is like to children calling to their fellows saying we played the music but you haven't even wanted to dance We've preached the gospel for 25 years, but how many people have responded? How many people have hungered and thirst after righteousness? Very few. Everybody wants to go their own way, and after a while, God will let them do it. And then they'll be lost forever. He says, We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man's gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. You see, the greater light that is shed upon the minds and hearts of people, the greater responsibility. If you want to try it tonight, you can turn your car radio on, or if you have a shortwave set, you can turn that on and you can go up and down the dial and you can find the gospel being preached on a Sunday night all over this country and other parts of the world. 
They have transmitters that are up in the millions of watts trying to get the gospel out to Asia and Africa and all around the world. They have 50,000 watt radio stations right in our area. KXEL in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, the 50,000 watt station in Cincinnati, Ohio. WCKY in Cincinnati. One gospel program after another. You can hear it. This country has the gospel preached all over it. And Jesus might be able to say to us tonight, the cities of the United States, Woe unto thee, Shurazen! Woe unto thee, Bethsidia! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus never preached in those two cities. He went by them near, nearly, but he never preached there. But in times past, the Old Testament message was sent to those cities. And if the things that had been done in these places, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Why? Because greater light brings greater responsibility. Nobody walks away from the gospel, from the church of God, from Christ, and is any better off for it. Everybody who walks away from the truth walks the downward road. It is never the upward road away from God and away from Christ and away from the church. It is always down. And when one hears the gospel and walks away from it, it gets down quicker than it would have if they had never heard before. We're a responsible country. Some of the gospel is being presented every day to our society. A lot of it perverted gospel, but some of it is true. And that which is true, God will honor. And he says to those people that he came to, it'd be more tolerable for some of those other places than you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted under heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Those people in Sodom, and Sodom who were burned up because of their perversion, burned alive, scorched by the tremendous heat of God's judgment upon them. They're sitting over there in the judgment world, in the place of the dead, the spirits, for 4,000 years. And yet Jesus said it'd be more tolerable for them than for these people in Capernaum who had heard the gospel, had seen the mighty works of God. It'd be more tolerable for the Sodomites than for these people because Jesus did a lot of great works in Capernaum and Tyre and Sidon and Capernaum and these Bethsaida, these cities mentioned have been leveled by the Romans sometime after Jesus said this until there is no place in existence today just like it. It's ruined, totally ruined. The Romans just inundated the place. Places that Jesus is talking about here. Sodom, such a corrupt and evil place as that. Jesus said it'd be more tolerable for them. There are degrees of judgment in hell. People with greater light are going to suffer greater uh, in hell than those who did not have the great light. Nevertheless, they're going to be in hell anyway, whether... There's greater judgment or not. To just to be in hell itself is judgment enough. But it'll be greater punishment for those who... It, it, Judas will suffer greatly, more greatly. And he's been there. He's been in the waiting place of the spirits for 
almost 2,000 years, he'll suffer greater in hell than maybe Hitler because Judas had an opportunity and was saved and turned it away where Hitler just went out to do his evil with no concern for the gospel. And Jesus talked about judgment here and who would know it better than he. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. People who will not hear and respond and believe the gospel and reject it totally as being nothing in their sight, God will turn away and give it to people of simple life and minds. The poor and the needy and those of the world, He'll give it to them because the Jews wouldn't retain the gospel and believe it and rejected Him. He turned to the Gentiles and gave the, the blessing of the kingdom to them. And He said, For Father, it seemed good in Thy sight to do it that way. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Can you imagine the import of this verse that God, that the Son would reveal the Father to us? That he would make us know what God is like? And that's what he will do to everyone. Who knows the Father better than the Son, and who knows the Son better than the Father? The mystery of the Trinity is something we will not understand down here. But Jesus knows God. The Father knows Jesus. The Holy Spirit are known by both. And the Trinity of God, that great mystery of the Trinity, are known in the interrelated association of the three. We will never be able to understand that down here. And then he makes his appeal to those who listen. And this appeal has gone out for 1,900 years. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This talks about the great burden that people are carrying on their souls tonight. You and I know people like that. They're right in our families our closest relations. They're right in our closest associations. We know people who are carrying the weight and load of sin tonight. And it's heavy. And they would like to have a place to sit it down. But they will not come to Christ, so they wander around with it. They carry it on their backs. And Jesus is giving the invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know what it means? He says, I'll take the burden off your back. I'll take the burden off your soul. And I'll give you rest from this great burden of sin. And John, it weighs on the people that you're going to go to as well as those who have nothing to do with the gospel at all. Because if they do not believe in holiness, they're yet in their sins. And the burden is on them. Take my yoke. That sounds strange, doesn't it? You're going to put something else on after taking it off. Taking the burden off, he wants, wants you to put a yoke on. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls. No one who is yet in their sins has rest in their soul. Now mark that down tonight because it's true. I don't care how peaceful they may seem and how pleasant they may seem. If there is sin on their soul, they have no rest. The Bible says the wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Anyone who is a sinner tonight, no matter who they are, they, are, they have no rest and they have no peace. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no, there's no hard thing about being saved. There's no hard thing about the Christian way. Once we get in to Christ, the way is easy. And if we're willing to stay, He makes it a pleasant way. I talked about testings and trials and temptations this morning. That's all part of it. But like the songwriter said, it will be worth it all. In the final consummation of all things, all the things that I've said to you in the time that you've been here, and you can stand before the great King, and you can hear Him say to you, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. Everything that you've heard and everything that you responded to is going to be worth it all. And everything that you've had to go through in this life to retain your position in Christ is going to be worth it all. And all of our labors and all of our messages and all of our urgings and all of our standing for the truth before you, it'll be worth it all in that day because you will be able to enter into the kingdom instead of being told to depart. There's only going to be two ways to go then. There's only two ways to go down here. And Jesus has rest for everyone's soul. You think about that now as you go out this week and you meet people along the way. You're going back to the same job you've been to. You're going back to the same places and the same people. Remember that. There's two ways and two places they're going to go in the judgment. And what we do down here Jesus told John's disciples to go tell him about all these works because our works really tell what we are. Not so much our words, but our works. Our conduct down here really tell what we really have inside because Jesus said out of the heart proceedeth the issues of life. So what we got down in our heart is going to come out. And how we live down here in our probation period before God is all going to tell when we're up there in the judgment. I want everybody to hear Jesus say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. And to this end we pray, and to this end we labor in the work. And every one of you who's saved is to do the same thing. Go out and find people and tell them the good news. And tell them the invitation of Jesus, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and he'll give them rest.